Hi guys and welcome back to the Pennies to Pounds podcast with your host Kia and this is a podcast where we aim to dispel your myths, simplify difficult financial jargon and rectify your own personal problems. Happy Monday everyone, as always I hope it's going to be an amazing week for everyone. Now I'm really excited for today's episode, going to be talking about something that we don't usually touch on on this podcast, well we haven't yet but I'm really excited but before we get into it I have my amazing special guest Yusuf, please tell everyone who you are. Hey, everyone. Hey, Kia. Great to be on the show. Um, I'm Yusuf, and I'm uh, one of the founders of Happy. Happy is an app uh, that helps parents invest for their children's futures. Um, we go a little bit further than that. We also allow godparents, grandparents, anyone else to also contribute, leave messages, leave pictures, all of which get stored away and then given to your child when they turn 18. Um, yeah, great to be on the show. Amazing to have you, and I think Happy is absolutely amazing. Obviously, myself, I'm not a parent just yet, but I still think it's really important. Anyone listening, whether you are a parent or not, I think there's so many things. There's just the world of parents just seems so crazy. I mean, obviously, we all have parents, right? And I look at my my parents, I always think, did you just wake up and have knowledge and just know what to do? So I'm, I'm going to ask you, Yusuf, did, did you wake up and just know when you had your children or was it kind of like you have to figure it all out? Uh, figure it all out, definitely. <laughs> um I, you know, I think on the parenting side, on the money side, on every single side, it was kind of like try to figure it out as you as you, as you go along. Um, I was fortunate enough at the time I worked for a financial advice company. So on that side of things, um, I had some people that I could talk to that, that certainly helped out. Um, but, you know, even then, it's, it's not fully straightforward. And on the parenting side, yeah, that was we're still trying to figure it out today. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of like the general consensus across most parents. But thankfully, you are here to kind of dispel the financial side for everyone listening. So I want to touch on the top five things, like financially, that parents should be aware of because I feel like there's so many different schemes out there, so many different things that parents give up for their kids that you just don't know about unless you go out and search for it. So hopefully this will be the one-stop shop for everyone. So Yusuf, if we were going to list out five things, let's start with number one. What would you say the first thing that parents should be looking at financially would be? I think the first thing you should understand financially is kind of what you're entitled to. And so if we start with kind of number one, let's first make sure that we understand like child benefits wise, what are we actually entitled to? Because I think that's one thing that kind of from my experience, uh, a lot of parents don't realize actually that they're eligible for it because you might not have ever been eligible for any other benefits before. But, you know, I think the child benefits um, eligibility is slightly different. So, you know, very first thing, when your kid's first born, are you entitled to any money there from the from the government to help you out? Amazing. And just to clarify, so is child benefits open to all parents or does it depend on your income? Yeah, so there there is some eligibility criteria. Um, it's open to kind of all parents who um, uh, have a child under the age of 16. Um, it's 20 if they're still in full-time education or training, but for the sake of this, let's 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 assume 16. Um, and I think the, the interesting thing here is the income breakdown. It's it's based on what kind of both partners earn individually. So both parents earn individually. And so it's 50k per parent. If if mm. you earn less than 50k and your partner and the other parent earns less than 50k, then you're eligible to the full amount, which is roughly 84 pounds a month. If it's anywhere between 50 to 60k, uh, what the highest earner in the household pays, then you're still eligible for that amount, but you have to pay some of it back in in the end of year in your in a tax statement. Um, if you if you earn more than 60k, then you end up effectively having to pay it all back. Um, but you know, simply put, if you and your partner 
both earn less than 50k each, then you're most likely eligible for the full amount, which is, yeah, £84 per month. That's really good. I mean, it may not sound like a lot of money, but from what I hear, obviously this is all secondhand, but from what I hear from parents, every bit of money counts. So I think that's really, really good that you put that out there because I'm sure there's lots of people who have no idea. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, and like the crazy thing is, is uh, you know, I was looking at something earlier and I think it's, I think last year is 825 million went unclaimed. And so this is what I mean. I think, I think there's a load of parents who are probably at the higher bound of that. So like maybe they earn 40K each, 40 to 50K each, and they don't even have a clue. You know, maybe they're in a fortunate position where they, they don't actually need that money to look after their kid, but it is money they're entitled to. And, um, you know, a little bit later on, hopefully we can run through some numbers of kind of what it all adds up to. You know, if you put that 84 pounds a month away for your child, for your, it should be for your child. So if you put it away for your child, <laughs> Well, what does it all add up to? Um, because, you know, as you say, it, do, it does add up. I, I'm going to focus on the the what are you entitled to okay. still because there is some more stuff that you're entitled to. And I'm just going to take it as your as your kid starts getting older. Um, so one of the first things for us, you know, after my wife finished maternity leave, we, we started thinking about childcare. And um, if you've never been hit by a nursery bill before, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, it is definitely something. Um, so, you know, straight away, we started looking around at kind of like, yeah, what is it that you're entitled to in that sense? And um, so there's something called tax-free childcare, which once again, there's eligibility criteria, but, you know, um, if you are entitled for it, it, it can make a huge difference. You can get an extra few thousand pounds per year to, that goes directly towards your childcare. So it has to be with registered providers that can be nurseries that can be, you know, uh, specific registered uh, nannies, uh, child minders, etc. Um, and it's around 500 pounds or it's up to 500 pounds every three months, which, as I said, can can add up to you know 2000 pounds a year. If you look at childcare and compare it to what you earn today, then, yes, you know, chances are for, for some families that childcare costs will be as high, if not higher than, you know, what the lowest earner pay uh, earns. And it, it could be quite like um an easy decision to then make to say, okay, you know, someone will stop working and um, and they'll uh, look after the, ch- the child to, to kind of save those childcare costs. But I think one thing I would say is just also think about the future and the future earning power. And so, you know, you might be earning, you know, a, a small amount now that's quite similar to the childcare costs. But if you continue working in that role, you'll probably, um, you know, go up through the ranks and you'll start earning more and more and more. And I think that's something that's quite often forgotten about. And so if you can make childcare work, it's something that you want as parents and something that that you can afford financially. I try to think a little bit longer term because, you know, those lost years of taking time out now, you're going to have to start, uh, you know, the same spot again when you start in the future. Um, But yeah, that's kind of going a bit off piece. But I think it is important when you're thinking about childcare costs to also start thinking a little bit longer term um, and how it affects your salary. No, I think that's really good. I think it's a really good point you make. I think a lot of people do. I mean, I would if I looked at the, the amount of paying for childcare. I think, well, I may as well just stay at home, and if that's the same money. But I think when you actually put it in the long term perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I thank you so much for bringing that up. If we were going to yeah. move on, is there anything else in the childcare realm that we can get hold of as well? Before we move away from tax-free childcare, the eligibility is, is is slightly different on this. So, firstly, it's you know children eleven or under. Um, secondly, uh, both parents need to be earning at least minimum living wage because it's it's tax free, right? So effectively, it's it's trying to pay you back for the tax you've paid. So you've both got to kind of be working and, and paying tax. And finally, I think uh, both parents need to be earning less than 100k. So it's a little bit more lax than the than the child benefits one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's kind of worth remembering that. 
Um, but yeah, moving on to, to the next one, as your kid gets slightly older, they're eligible for even more kind of free childcare. Um, same eligibility criteria as a tax-free childcare, um, except the age. The age is the only thing that's different, but basically when they're three years old or four years old, you're either eligible to an extra 15 hours or an extra 30 hours of, of, of free childcare each week. Um, and so, you know, I think, oh, I think we did the maths on this and it was around 2,700 pounds per year. That, that you could um, that you could be saving effectively um, by making sure you're eligible for that or by checking if you're eligible for that. It's mostly done as well. And so this is something that um, you just need to be a little bit careful of. Some nurseries effectively apply it automatically for you because I think every child can qualify for 15 hours of free childcare. It's it's about that extra 15 hours, which, which you might not be uh, eligible for. Um, so sometimes nurseries do it automatically for you. Sometimes you have to do it yourself. It's just worth being on top of that and also making sure you apply at the very first point you, you're eligible um, because effectively it applies from the next term. So if you wait till your child turns three, then chances are you're missing one term of eligibility. So, you know, there's something we say, I think it's two years and nine months. It's not a very kind of common birthday, but yeah, pencil it in your diary. And on that day, make sure you you start applying and checking the eligibility criteria, because that's the way you make sure you get it, you know, as soon as your kid turns three years old. That is amazing. That's really, really good tips there. Thanks so much, Yusuf. So now I think is the the exciting part, I like to say. It's thinking about your child's future. So what does that look like? I know most parents, you know, you always want to give your child, and I'm speaking as a spiritual parent right now, because I'm not a physical parent, but you, you always want to make sure that, that your child um, is set up and not having struggle when they grow up. So what does that look like? What should parents be looking at different products or where should they be looking? The very first thing you should think about is, yeah, what you want to help your child with. Because as you said, like, you know, every parent has these aspirations, um, but every parent is different as well. You know, some people are thinking about more short-term help, more long-term help. Some parents want to help out with everything. Others want to leave them to, 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 to leave your kids to themselves. So I think, you know, the first thing I was, I would encourage you to sit down with your, with your partner, co-parent, you know, whoever else is involved and, and, and try to make a decision as to like, what is it that we want to provide for our child? Um, do we want to help them with their uni fees, for example? Um, do we want to help them with all of it, tuition, living? You know, what will that even look like in 18 years' time? I just start having these discussions. Um, me and my wife, for example, you know, we're still not on the property ladder. We're still renting. So it's an aspiration for us to be able to help our daughter get on the property ladder so that, you know, she's not renting as, uh, for as long as we've been. Um, you know, what does that look like? How much do you want to help? Same again. And then there's other things, right? There's, you know, uh, their first car. Maybe you want to help give them a little, a little kind of pot that they can go um, traveling around the world, exploring the world. Maybe you're thinking about private school and you're trying to think about how you can afford that as well. So um, that's the first thing that I would say is just kind of sit down and start thinking about what is it that we actually want to help our child with? Because based on the answer of that, the options you have available to you um, uh, may be different. Um, to explain what I mean here. Uh, for example, if you wanted to, the most common way to save or invest for your child is through a junior ISA. Mm -hmm. So that is very similar to an adult ISA, except the main difference is the money is locked up until the kid turns 18. And so, you know, with your ISA, be it a cash ISA or a stock shares ISA, you can put money in whenever you want, withdraw money whenever you want. With the kids' ones, it's a little bit different. The money's locked up until they turn 18. And the other difference, obviously, is the money actually belongs to the kid. So at the age of 18, that money's theirs. 
you know, hopefully you've brought them up well and, you know, they'll <laughs> spend it on, you know, their uni fees or whatever, but you've just got to have a little bit of comfort that technically speaking, they can spend it on whatever they like when they, when they turn 18. Um, so, yeah, so that's the most common way to put money away for your kids. Um, but obviously, because it's locked up till 18, that's not going to work for some of the shorter term goals, you know, music lessons, sports camps, school fees, as I've said, school trips, whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the, the, the first thing. Um, I would also say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a, a little bit biased because of the business I'm, uh, I'm building in this space. But I would also say, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you talk about this a lot, because it's such a long time frame, before you do anything, really think a lot about, do you want this money sitting in savings, sitting in cash effectively for that full 18 years? How much could it earn you? Or would you rather invest that money and have the potential to, to uh, earn kind of bigger, bigger rates of return effectively on it? Um, and so quick one on that, maybe I'll run through some like number examples to yeah. show the, the difference makes um let's take the the benefits the the, the benefits example to begin off with so I, I think i mentioned you know 84 pounds a month effectively um is what you're eligible for if you if you think about that you'd only get it for 16 years but let's assume you you fund it for the next eight for, for the remaining two years as well so you effectively do it until they're 18 if you um did that for 18 years you would effectively save eighteen thousand pounds assuming you earn zero percent interest so a, a pretty decent yeah, sum decent, yeah. benefits. If you put it in a savings account, so let's a savings account, let's assume one percent. That then grows to around nineteen, uh, or just under twenty k. Um, so a little bit of growth, not a huge amount of growth, but a little bit of growth. Um, if you look at the best cash JISA at the moment, that's paying around two and a half percent. If we assume that's going to pay it for for the full length of time that money then grows to 23k so once again that extra you know few percent is, is making a big difference um but if we look at kind of what could happen if you invest as well and yes obviously when you invest you take a risk the money might go down but if we if we kind of think about you know an average rate of return over 18 years being something around six percent that 84 pounds a month can then grow to thirty-three thousand pounds by the time wow. your kid turns 18. so that's an, a difference of like ten thousand pounds versus the cash geyser if you're comfortable investing and obviously if the markets make kind of 6% a year. Um, so I think that's the first point that I would say for parents looking to think, uh, thinking about putting money away for their kids, just think very carefully about, you know, are you saving it or are you investing it? Um, uh, so yeah. And if you are saving it, shop around, make sure you, you find the best rate available to you. If you're investing it, um, um, yeah, find a good provider that works for you. And, you know, I can talk a little bit about kind of who does what in a second. Um, the second point that I would say, I think it's very easy as parents, and I've seen it myself, I've seen friends do it, I've thought about it myself, is to kind of think about like, oh, you know what, they're, they've just been born, they've got 18 years ahead of them, uh, like there's plenty of time, let's wait. And I think like, hopefully your community knows better than anyone how important like compound interest is and effectively starting as early as possible. It's something that, you know, on a different kind of scale i didn't do as soon as i graduated and i think we've spoken about this before like i didn't put money into my pension straight away i had a bunch of money sittings and savings and not investment and it's you know now that i'm in my 30s i, I really wish I'd, I'd acted differently and so hopefully i've avoided making the same mistake with my kid but to, to, to give you an example um if you put a hundred pounds uh, a month away from the from the day your child is first born Sorry, let me let me just double check the numbers on these to make sure that they're they're all right. So basically, 
you put 100 pounds a month away from the day your kid uh, from the day your kid is first born then throughout that 18 years you've put away 21,000 pounds altogether mm, yeah good. Let's take, let's take another parent who decides to wait until their child turns eight, uh, eight years old to start putting money away from them. So they were a little bit more lax at the beginning. They said, you know what, well, my kid's got ages. And then at the age of eight, they decided, OK, time to start putting money away. For the sake of comparison, I'm going to assume they put away £180 a month for the remaining 10 years, because what effectively that means is that by the time they their kid has turned 18, they've also managed to uh, save £21,000 of their own money. So £100 a month from the day you're born, £180 a month from the from the day your kid turns uh, eight. So first thing there is the difference on like cash flow hit. £100 per month is you know a lot more affordable. Yes, it's difficult, but it is more affordable, obviously, than £180 a month. So that's the first thing to know. The second thing is by the time their kids or their respective children turn 18, the parent who started at the age of zero, actually their account has grown to 39000 the parent who started at the age of eight, their account's grown to 30,000. And so once again, like that simple act of starting as soon as your kid's born reduces the amount that you need to do every month, but also makes that pot, assuming uh, assuming rates kind of, uh, assuming you're making positive return from your investments, does make that pot, you know, much larger by the time your kid turns 18. So that's the other thing I'd say about, you know, uh, putting money aside for your kids. First thing, so just to recap, first thing, start early. And second thing, invest instead of uh, cash savings if you can. Yusuf, I think there was so many gems that you just gave there, especially I love talking about numbers because I feel like we can we can say, you know, you should do this and it makes more sense to do that. But when you actually look at the numbers and crunch it down, you really see the impact that, that can make and... Thank you so much. I'm I'm here thinking like, yeah, I'm going to do that for my kid and I have to snap out of it. And remember that I have no child, but I think that is really, really important to anyone listening now, especially if you are a parent. I think that is so important from day one. Now I know I'm going to have in my head, Yusuf, when my first child comes, I'm going to say, where's my, give me my online banking. I'm putting a hundred pounds away now. That's what I'm going to do. We've actually had, um, it's funny. So, you know, we, we just launched our beta over the last kind of couple of months, but in that time we've had some parents who their kid isn't even born yet asking us like, oh, can I start now? Or, you know, <laughs> uh, just, just yesterday, actually, we had someone sign up uh, whose kid is two weeks old. Wow. So, you know, very early on they're, they're on it, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's good to start early. And I think while, you know, you mentioned you're, you're not a parent yet. I think one thing that you shouldn't look at when you're thinking about stocks and shares junior ISA is like I, I found when, when, you know, me and my wife became parents, the family actually wants to help out a lot as well. And so normally that's through gifts, like they buy a load of toys, they buy a load of clothes and whatever it is. And don't get me wrong, that's great. And it's great to have hand-me-downs and you know, anything else that, that makes, a, that makes a, uh, it a lot easier. But it does get to a point, and I'm sure if you've got any parents listening to this as well, uh, they'll know it gets to a point where you know, there's only, only so many toys that you can <laughs> handle like cluttered around the living room. And so one of the things that we've built, as I mentioned, is, you know, that really simple experience and that really engaging experience for grandparents, godparents, whoever it is to get involved as well. And so I would suggest to kind of any of your, any of your listeners to start thinking a little bit about, you know, are their family members happy to help out? If they are actually, how is it best to do that? Is it, you know, through cash and short-term gifts or actually, you know, if they don't need the money today, is it worthwhile just saving up a bit of a uni fund with everyone kind of saving up together? Um, so yeah, no, you know, uh, obviously you don't have any kids now, but if you've got any godchildren or if your friends start having kids, then 
then you know think about that I'd I know some of my friends who have kids are going to be listening and saying you know what Kia I'm downloading <laughs> and I'm going to send you the link so you can send my kids some money but do you know what I'll be one happy to I think it's absolutely amazing and the whole point where you said as well you can leave messages so when their child turns 18 they can see that their auntie Kia said this and there you go gave some money and just people in general I think that's a really really good feature we all slash a lot of people have a dream of like financial freedom financial security call it what you will right and you're lucky if you learn about this at the age of you know 18 20 21 22 whatever it is if you earn if you learn about it then that's great if you don't most people learn about it in their 30s and 40s and by that point i was listening to one of your podcasts about pensions for example Mm -hmm. it's a very similar thing right like the earlier you can begin the higher your chances are and for us it's you know as parents it's the same thing we want we want our daughter to have as high a chance as possible of having a financially secure life if we can even put away just two pounds a month, five pounds a month to help that, that's kind of what we want to do. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think this financial freedom and security point is something that, you know, we personally care about quite a lot. No, and I agree with you. So if we were moving towards the end, I think this is something that not everyone talks about, just in general, but obviously we're, we're going to tailor it more towards parents and children. But just in general, people just don't talk about it. People don't talk about wills. People don't talk mm. about, because well, I, I know in some some communities and cultures, you don't want to kind of talk about death because it's, you know, we don't talk about that. We know, everyone knows something that happens. We don't want to talk about it. But I think it's so important to get your finances in order, not just for your kids, but just in general. If you were to leave tomorrow, where are, where's all your wealth that you've accumulated? Where is that going to? Who is it going to? So what should parents be thinking about when it comes to wills? I feel like when I talk to people about wills, similar with pensions, people think, I'll think about that when I'm like 60, 70, I'll write a will oh. then and then give it to someone that's god willing we reach that point what if something happens earlier than that what do you do so what what would you say in that respect yeah i think not enough people talk about this and don't quote me on this but i think i saw something um uh, that said around 30 million adults in in the uk don't have a will which is a little bit crazy when you think about it um and i've heard some like real horror stories about you know what happens once someone passes away and i think like this there's two aspects there's the financial aspect of like why is a will important and then there's the emotional aspect of why is a will important if we start off with the emotional one and before we even think about children just you know imagine uh, actually you know like i don't, I don't want to paint too more of a picture <laughs> but it's already hard enough when someone passes away and you're mourning to figure out everything now imagine if at the same time you're trying to figure out where all their money was you know maybe you didn't have a relationship with your partner where you were so open about money you didn't know their pensions you didn't know their savings accounts etc if you don't have a will in place you're going to spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out where all of this stuff was and trying to track it down just to basically get what what you're entitled to and to keep that family wealth um in the you know that family wealth with with you and your family um, and that can be difficult. A lot of money um, does kind of go missing every year. So I think uh, last year, the Money Advice Service said that there was over eight million pounds worth of property and money that went to the government. And I'm guessing this is because it, you know, it wasn't tracked down when someone passed away. It couldn't be, you know, uh, attributed to someone. So that's the, you know, the first on the emotional points is just like. Even if it's for no other reason, rather than just to make your family's life easier, it will be a lot easier if you've written down in a will what you've got, where you've got, and, you know, how, well, let's not get onto the financial part, but like what you've got and where you've got. The second thing, which I think becomes obviously super important when you're a parent is 
who's going to be the legal guardian of your children? You know, God forbid if you know you and your partner were to pass away at the, at the same time, you you kind of always assume, oh, it's going to be you know my close relatives, my close family members, whatever it is. First thing on that is like your definition, unless you've had a discussion with your partner, your definition of who that close relative is might be different than theirs. So first things first is just worth agreeing and having that conversation. Second thing, actually, unless it's written in a will, nobody knows who that close relative is. So it's going to end up going to the legal system, going down courts, and you know it will be a, a, a difficult time for your children if we're being honest, right? Um, and so if like the worst was to happen, you kind of want to avoid all of that by having a crystal clear, you know, these are the legal guardians, and they're the ones who are going to be, you know, looking after my our children, you know, when we pass away, if we pass away before they turn eighteen, etc. So that's kind of like the emotional points. I think then if you think about the financial points. Um, if you don't have a will in place, I think just to kind of like not scare everyone completely, there is a like natural order of how money is um, is, is is kind of passed to certain people once you pass away. So if you don't have a will away, it's not the end of the world. The, the, the money in general will find a way of going to the people close to you. And while this is normally fine for the majority of pretty standard family makeups, as soon as there's anything slightly complex in that around, you know, um, divorces, um, even like breakups that don't result in a divorce, stepchildren, et cetera, et cetera, like all of these kind of things, then it can start becoming pretty tricky and the money wouldn't always end up where you hope for it to be. So to avoid all of that, to stop, you know, family discussions, family uh, arguments and whatever else it, it is, it is sensible to, um, to, to, to write a will if, if, if you can. Um, and, you know, they're, they're actually pretty cheap. I think like my favorite provider is Fairwill. I don't know if you've ever come across them or not. Um, 90 pounds if it's just for you, 140 pounds if it's for, for you and your partner. Um, and that's kind of it sorted. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that, as you said at the beginning, don't get talked about a lot. But if you have that difficult conversation now, yes, it might not make a huge difference to, to your life because you'll be gone, um, but it'll make a huge difference to, to you know, those around you um, uh, and the people you care about. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Like if we if we think of the final thing as like, so we, we've found out what we're entitled to. We've started planning for the future and investing for the future. Let's make sure we protect what we have now. Wills are a big thing when it comes to that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think even people who are listening who potentially aren't parents but still listen to the episode even just having that conversation with your own parents I know there's so many people who unfortunately lost their parents especially due to COVID and they're finding out you know the difficulties of uh, my parents had no will I don't know wh where's this and where's that you're struggling to figure things out having those conversations I know a lot of parents don't want to have it because you don't want to think about it but I think it is so important especially in that sense as well yeah and hopefully this is something that will get better over time because I think like it if you look at like couples and how they're structured today, there tends to be a lot more equality in terms of like the money makers and the who looks after the money. But I do think yeah, if we look at our parents' generation, chances are there is one person in that in that household who's in control of all the money. And you know, I, I heard from a friend of mine last year that their father passed away. Um, and um, it was an awful experience for the mother because not only was she mourning, but she was literally spending hours and hours on, on, on the phone to these banks trying to figure out what's where, where it is. And like, in the end, chances are you get, you, you get it, but it's just like, do you really want to be dealing with all that stress while you're, while you, while you're mourning? So 
yeah, no, it's a it's an important conversation to have, but obviously a very difficult conversation. Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Yusuf, this has been amazing. But I wanna before we end it, I wanna touch just recap again about Happy, because I think Happy is an amazing app. Um, like I said, I'm not a parent yet, but it's on my phone and I'm waiting for that day. When I get that good news, that will be the app that I open up first. Yeah. So my kids will thank me <laughs> on that day. Um, but yeah, just recap a bit more about Happy for any parents listening. Just how does it work? Where can they download it? And all of those good things. Cool, cool. So I'll go a step before that first. Um, I'll, I'll talk about why we started Happy because yeah. I think that's important. Um, and I think the way we thought about it and the way kind of like, you know, me personally, me and my, me and my co-founder, us and the early team is like, families tend to get forgotten a little bit in the world of fintech. Like there are so many great fintech products out there. I use half of them, you know, if not all of them myself. Um, and there's great, if you're a 20 something year old, if you're a single 30 something year old, if you're managing money on your own, there's so many great stuff out, out there for you. But as soon as your finances become a little bit more complex and you start thinking about something with someone else, so that might be, you know, buying a house together. Actually, can we open up a savings account together? Does it make sense to financially? If not, how do we track who's got what, et cetera? You know, retiring together. Um, once again, that's something that chances are you've got your own pensions, your partner's got their own pensions. Half the time, no one's got a clue what's going on out there. And the pension providers certainly don't. So you'll get a different statement from each one. You'll have to try to figure out what's going on. Chances are they've got a load of the similar investments in, 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 in across them, uh, across them all. So you might think you're diversified, but you've probably got, you know, like 90% of your funds in the same, in the same investment. So it's like all of this type of things just made us feel like, you know, as families and as, as couples. So even before the, the children's, the children's stage. As couples, there needs to be more that helps couples manage money, manage their longer term money together. Now, whack a kid in the mix and it starts getting even harder. At the most basic sense, like me and my wife, we're, we're, we're a household that are very open with their finances with one another. Um, and because of like limitations as to what you know, investment providers, pension providers allow, there's no way we can manage them together, but we've got a spreadsheet which tracks it all together. Um, so then our daughter was born and we we're like, okay, we want to invest for her, save for her, whatever it is. There wasn't one junior stocks and shares ISA provider that allowed my wife to also have access to that account. And that just seemed crazy for us. Like she's her daughter. She's not just my daughter. And yes, normally there is one person or historically there's been one person in the household that looks after money, but like that's changing. And so these are the reasons why we first started kind of creating, uh, thinking about happy. And, you know, I met my co-founder. He was facing some very similar things, not a parent himself, but more around the couple finances. Um, th this is one of the reasons why we first started happy. It's really to give families, couples uh, in, in, in the longer term couples, but in the short term families, a place where they can manage their family money together. So that's the first point. Second point, as I mentioned, um, uh, we today, we help parents invest for their children's futures. We've got a few different products. So we've got a junior stocks and shares ISA if you want to invest in your kid's name. We've got a general investment account if you want to invest in your own name. If you're unsure, we ask you a few questions. We help you figure out the, you know, what, what, what's right for you. Um, and you, know, you can choose to open it with us or you can choose to go elsewhere. Third thing, as I said, when that's open, it's this unique link. This unique link that you share with you know, friends, family, whoever it is. The experience for them is super simple. They don't need to download the app. They don't need to do anything apart from it's as if they're buying groceries online. They just say the message, the amount, upload a picture, and boom, it's stored straight away. So that's like the 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 quick of like you know quick and dirty. What do we do? Are happy? 
how do you access it? Um, we're currently in beta at the moment. I'll share a link uh, with you, Kia, that um, you, you can distribute that will give people early access or just drop me an email. So that's Yousef at happyplan, H-A-P-I plan.com um, and just say you listen to the podcast and I'll get you on the beta. Hopefully over the next few months, um, you know, we'll be available to everyone in the app store. We're on iOS and, and, and Android as well. Uh, but for the time being, just, just drop me a note and I'll get you to skip the queue. Um, so yeah, and any more questions or do you think that summarized it all? No, I think you did an amazing job summarizing Happy. And like I said, all the links, when you send me the link over, I'll put that in the podcast episode description, including your email just as well. So definitely head over there, get involved with the beta if you are a parent. Yusuf, thank you so much for coming on the episode. You have brought so many gems for anyone who kind of wants to recap and you know, you maybe weren't sitting there taking notes. That's okay. We've got a blog post up on the Penny's Pound site written by Yusuf um, up there kind of detailing everything you spoke about in a bit more detail so you can go through that and read it at your own leisure but thank you so much for coming on the episode you've been amazing honestly you've been amazing thank you everyone for listening we'll be back again next week as always with another episode stay healthy stay blessed and yeah Yusuf any last words? No, no, just thank you to everyone and thank you to you, Kit, for having me on. Um, yeah, keen to kind of see where everything goes on your side and congrats on your launch yesterday as well. Thank you so much.